You're listening to Hold On, a podcast by Sean P. Keenan, found at gettingtogod.com. Visit gettingtogod.com for many more podcasts, articles, videos, and lots of other information on the search of the soul. I want to talk to you about something quite biblical called the hour of temptation. Wait a minute. Let me say that again. More dramatic. The hour of temptation. I love doing that. It's a very real thing. Let me put it this way. It could be one of the clear signs that we are living in the end times, in, in the last days. And, and before we get into that, I want to get into God's timetable versus human timetable. I said this in another podcast called Back to the Manual, where I heard somebody who is a supposed expert, and, and I kind of believe this. He, he said that 80 years of human time is equal to one hour of God's time. Um, yeah, sure, I'd have to see a lot more data to believe that that was exact, an exact number, but in any case, carrying on that argument would likely just be splitting hair. So let's look at it with a little leeway. So, you know, just say maybe in our time, the past 60 to 100 years has been like an hour for God. I think that's a fairly reasonable statement because, I mean, you've noticed the older that you get, the quicker time goes and it becomes not what it was when you were younger and everything gets redefined and it just gets weird. You know, 30 years feels like nothing to me now. I want to remember that point about that that time comparison, but I want to say that I've been immersed in the world of technology for almost my whole life. I mean, I started taking things apart when I was like five years old. Um, it was it started with an outlet, an an AC outlet, you know, the thing that you plug your TV into, right? And I just remember thinking as a kid, wow, you know, you plug those things in and you plug in the toaster and you plug in the TV and you plug in the hairdryer and you have to plug it in because something has to come out of that wall and basically feed those machines. And I wanted to know what it was. And and so at one point, I mean, I remember getting one of my dad's screwdrivers and <laughs> I was going down in the basement and um, starting, to, I, I took the cover off the outlet. Then I took the screw, the two screws on the top and the bottom of the outlet that hold it to the wall out, and I pulled the thing out. And I was just getting ready to put the screwdriver on the live terminal to take the wire off. And uh, probably by guardian angel or something, one of my parents came down the stairs, and I remember they were just like freaking out, as any parent should. Stop, stop, stop. What are you doing? That kind of a thing, you know. And of course, I'm like this five-year-old kid's like, "What? What's the problem? What's the problem, Dad? I'm just, I'm just taking an outlet apart. It's only live with 115 volts and probably 30 amps." <laughs> but anyway, as as time went on, I mean, I took everything apart, and I was always in the library. I've talked about this before. I was always learning how everything worked around me, and I got certified in electronics, and I got in at an engineering level in electronic circuitry. I just started designing and building my own circuits and modifying, maintaining, repairing other people's circuits. So 
I also worked on cars. I worked on construction. I worked on radio control devices. I worked on, by the time I was 17, I had my own workshop. I was working on things like robotics and back when it was actually <laughs> difficult and you couldn't just go to the store and buy a building block set for a couple hundred bucks and build a robot. But I I have myself and lately and and anyone can verify this. I've seen so many patents for machines and electronics and other things that can be in in are used to harm people. A lot of people don't know and think it's crazy, but a lot of it is actually widespread public knowledge. And things like electronic weapons that are made from everyday things to to sound weapons used by law enforcement, to the already well-known tools of damage like guns and other weapons. This is what I'm talking about. And this is like the higher technology gets, the cheaper technology gets, the easier it is, the easier it is for your so-called average person to use this stuff and to harm people with it. Now, there's also, lately, there's also a lot of cyber attack where a hacker can sit half a world away and cause damage to someone over the internet. And it's so easy to get away with that kind. A kid can download free software that almost hacks for you. You know, you want to, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to encourage it, but people think things like Wi-Fi are secure with a password and that sort of thing, but it's, they're not. It's really easy to get into it. It's becoming more popular to snoop on people's wireless cameras and baby monitors and things like that. And there, there are just tons of articles and how-tos about this stuff, and they can be found in overabundance by anybody. There are a lot of other temptations out there. You know, there are liquor stores, and I've lived in cities where literally you, you had to be careful when you go out at night because there were people all over driving without their headlights on and swerving all over the place because, you know, after 7 p.m. you go out and every 10th person you see on the road is drunk. Um, and in that one city I lived in, there were liquor stores. Literally, there was like a liquor store every square mile. And um, porn is incredibly easy. Um, people are wearing more and more extremely revealing clothing out in public. And... and all those things that I mentioned, they're not just about personal satisfaction. They're also about making things like vengeance and unforgiveness and unkindness really easy. Now, think about, like, how many people in your life you've, you've heard use a statement like, boy, I'd like to blank that person. Okay, don't go too far with that. Clear your mind. Let me explain. Okay, someone might say, I'd really like to thump that person, or I'd really like the worst to that person, or I'd really like to give that person the, the blah, 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 because they make somebody mad. And they don't do it, though. Now, think about why and the psychology of why. It's, it's for the most part, what I've found with most people is it's, it's not because they have self-discipline. If they had the self-discipline and they were following the laws that God wrote on their hearts, they wouldn't even be thinking about that. Because as God tells us, you're not even supposed to imagine evil against your brother. So what's holding them back? It's, it's human law. It's the fear of getting caught. It's the fear of getting arrested. It's the fear of going to jail. 
So that stuff is not just talk when someone says, oh, I'd really like to kill that guy. He pulled my begonias out of my garden and I just planted them a week ago and I like to come home every day and sip my tea and look at my begonias and he yanked them out of there. I'd like to kill him. But, but man's law, it's, it's, it's really what I think most people use as their boundaries and, and not self-discipline, not God's law. But now, not only are we seeing more and more law enforcement types becoming corrupt and, and getting away with wrongful behavior, we're seeing lots of more people that you would just consider your average person that are getting away with this stuff. When you take away the fear of getting caught... You convince somebody that they can get away with it, they start getting away with more for the most part. So when all you have to do is to do something wrong is, is type in a search term or flip a switch or stop at the store or join a hate group, temptation is everywhere. And it wasn't like this before... Oh, say about one of God's hours ago, you know, so 80 to 100 year, human years ago, it wasn't like this. There was plenty of temptation back then, but nowhere near as fast and as easy and as abundant as it is now. And these days it's also being pushed at younger and younger ages. I mean, we now have everything from candy-flavored cartoon-adorned vaping to, to short skirts for toddlers, and I'm not kidding about that stuff. From a biblical perspective, uh, going back to the hour of temptation, we see a lot of warnings of, of such a time, and one example is, is in Paul's letters to Timothy, and he's warning someone that he, you know, calls his son, basically, of how much evil will be abundant in the last days before Christ's return. In 1 Timothy 1.9, Paul says, quote, Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers or fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, unquote. And he goes on and on to list people who are doing things that are not very nice. So basically what Paul is saying, I mean, if, if it's not obvious, it's, it's, it's man's law is not made for the guy or the girl who runs around wanting to do what God wants us to do, what God, the laws of God wrote on our heart. It's made for the corrupt. And to me, and I take that two ways. One, one is that a lot of the legal system is corrupt. A lot of government is corrupt. A lot of law enforcement is corrupt. And it's getting worse. And the other way that I take that is he may also be saying that it's made to keep people in line who don't want to keep themselves in line. There's another one that I, that I really like. It's Ephesians 6.12. Um, Quote, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Unquote. Ain't that the truth? I said, ain't that the truth? Ain't ain't a word. It is now. But in the Bible, there's also a lot of stuff that, that, that can help us stay upright against this mob mentality in this temptation that's just growing and growing and growing in our world culture these days. And, and um, 
what sparked this podcast for me was the events of today and last night. Last night um, was rough. We didn't sleep well. Today, I had this go around with car dealership to try to claim we didn't have a warranty when we do. Car only has 35,000 miles on it. Some things are broken on it that shouldn't be broken. They didn't want to fix them. Blah, 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 blah. I had to spend five hours going to the dealership, going back, talking to uh, customer service people and uh, corporate people and all kinds of stuff. And then I come home from that to, you know, more news about a family member who is in the hospital and not doing well and is talking about things like DNR orders, if you know what that is, do not resuscitate. And I just kind of, I just I internally just kind of screamed and I just did this thing that I love to do. And I grabbed the Bible. I walk into a quiet place and just sit down and I say, God, talk to me, speak to me, give me something. And usually he gives me something that, that helps remedy a situation, even if I don't want to hear it. And because last night we didn't hard, hardly sleep. We got like two, three hours of sleep. We had someone in a nearby room that was causing us problems. And I just got upset and got mad and went off about the person and used some words I shouldn't have used. And I know that's wrong. And I'm working on it. I'm working on it diligently. But... Anyway, every time that happens, every time I mouth off like that, we tend to have a bad night. It gets worse, that kind of thing. And, and, and so as I'm praying and I'm saying, God, talk to me, I just flip randomly open the Bible and poke my finger down into wherever I can get it without even looking. And along comes this passage out of Ecclesiastes 10, 1 through 3. Quote, just as dead flies make perfumed oil stink, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Um, and it goes, unquote, and it goes on and on to talk about a wise man's heart and a fool's heart and blah, blah, blah. And like, I understood that, that, you know what, I should have just kept my mouth clean last night, not gone off about him. Things would have gone a lot better. And then I went on to Ecclesiastes 10.10. Um, normally I use King James, but I'm going to read to you from NIV. It's a lot easier to understand it this way. Quote, if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Unquote. And I love that passage. I love that passage because so many times in my life I've had to use skill and thought to work around you know, poor tools underrated tools, um, things like that. So getting a job done with substandard things to do it with by using skill. And I love this, like, like say in cooking, for example, um, maybe I'll have a, I, you know, right now I'm using a very dull knife, uh, chef knife and, uh, and, uh, and, and this, you know, glass cutting board that just tears it to shreds and, um, I don't have all the spices that I would normally have, and I usually cook with fewer ingredients that I normally have, but I make up for it with skill. Mix things differently than I would, get creative, and the product comes out good, and I didn't have to have all the expensive stuff to do it. Um, driving conditions can, can kind of be like this too, you know, where like, like say the roads are bad, like it snows or it's raining hard or something. But, you know, with experience, 
You make up for things like poor road conditions with, um, say, things like counter-steering or using the accelerator in certain ways to pull yourself out of bad situations. It's, it's, it's always been a fascinating process to me to like buy something cheap and modify it and make it work like the expensive version, you know? So it's like, I'm getting a reminder from God. It's like, use your skill to get through this, even though you don't have everything that is ideal to get through this, these hard times. I have another favorite Bible passage that helps me a lot. Um, 2 Corinthians 10.5 Casting down, um, excuse me, quote, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Unquote. Now, basically what this means is capture your thoughts. You start imagining something evil against a brother or a sister because they did something to you you don't like. Capture that thought. Don't let it turn into words. Don't let it turn into thoughts. Don't let it turn into action. If you're a man and you're walking down the street and there's a girl walking past you with some revealing clothes, you look away and you capture the thought. You don't let it enter your mind. You don't lust after the woman. That sort of a thing. And for some reason, I'm just absolutely fascinated about the idea of bringing a thought into captivity before it turns into anything damaging. So here's my point of this sermon. It's, it's look, the reality is that, that, that life is going to get tougher for Christians as a very short amount of time goes on. And, and anyone who studies the Bible knows that everything that's been happening recently is quite biblical. And, and it's very true to a lot of prophecy. And the data set of comparison between what the Bible says will happen in the, in the end times and what's actually happening in the world, it's, just, it's becoming undeniable. I'm not saying I'm predicting the end of times. I'm not saying I know when Jesus is coming back. I, I don't know. But... You know, that's all arguable, the, the end times thing. But as Jesus says, if, if you can read the changes of season, basically, you'll be able to read when these times are upon us. And the season is changing dramatically. I'm not interested in arguing, so stop looking at me like that. I don't want to argue. Can we just hug for a minute? Come here. Please... Um, if you actually tried to hug a speaker or a pair of headphones, you, you might need to talk to somebody. But anyway, it, it's, it's pretty obvious by now. As a global culture, our, our health is dramatically changing. And what affects our health is dramatically changing. I mean, more specifically, this pandemic. And it's not over. And it's not going to get better right away. And... Our social structure, in, in, in turn, is, is dramatically changing. And the ripple effects of what we've brought on ourselves over the years, is, is they're becoming as unpredictable as they are endless. And even if you don't believe in the end times, it's, it's critical right now that we learn to hold on. So how do we do it? We engage and we dig deep into who we are children of God, little Christs. We read, we, we 
and and I'll give you a good example. I've got an article on my website called The Bible, What Is It and How Do I Read? It's a good way to introduce yourself to it. Um, Meditate on the Word. Don't meditate into nothingness like a lot of people say to do. You are not just opening yourself up to the divine. You're opening yourself up to everything, good and bad. So meditate on the word. And what that means to me is you pick a passage out of the Bible that you love and you just keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it in the dark somewhere, in the quiet somewhere until it just sinks in and you start to sort of lose yourself in it and you start to understand it more and more and more and do it over and over and over and over again for a long time. It brings calm and it brings peace and it brings God and Christ deeper into your heart. On gettingtogod.com, in the menu at the top, there's a link that says, I'm seeking. Go hover over that. It drops down and click personal peace. That is full of ideas. Now, like I said, remember your skills. Because many of us are going, as, as times get harder, we're going to be working with the lesser and lesser tools, the, the less quality tools. We're going to need to use our skills and our, our creativity to make up for that kind of a thing. Most importantly, talk to God. Have any conversation with him. Do what I do. Get the Bible out, pray and ask him to speak to you, then randomly flip and read. But just hold on. Just hold on and remember some of my favorite words in scripture in 1 Peter 5, 9, quote, resist him being the devil, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings, unquote. There will be another side to this. If we do the right things and remember our Father, we will come out with a better, permanent life. We will see the light grow, and we will near the end of the tunnel. And when we come out on the other side, God's going to be standing there with open arms. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Hold On by Sean P. Keenan, found at gettingtogod.com. Find other podcasts, articles, videos, and other information about the search of the soul at gettingtogod.com.